Thursday, August 8, 2013, Brandon Lawson arrived back home where he lived with his longtime girlfriend, Ladessa Lofton. The couple had been together for over 10 years and had three kids together. Brandon also had one other child from a former relationship. Shortly before 11 p.m. that evening, Brandon and Ladessa had gotten into an argument. According to a reporter on the story, the most likely reason for the argument was over the fact that Brandon had not returned home the night before and that Ladessa believed that Brandon had started doing drugs again. However, a friend close to Brandon, Jason Watts, said in an interview to take that story with a grain of salt. However, Brandon's own brother Kyle tells a different story in a pre-recorded interview that we'll play for you later in this podcast. Brandon did have a history of drug abuse, mainly marijuana and methamphetamines, but had been clean for the last six months. Brandon was starting a new job the following week, and in fact had just passed a drug test the day before he went missing. Brandon was leaving his job at Renegade Oil Well Services for a better paying job with better benefits. Brandon, it seemed, was trying to better himself and provide better for his family. After the argument, at about 11.30 p.m., Brandon called his father, who lived in Crowley, Texas, about a three-and-a-half-hour drive from San Angelo, where Brian and Ledessa lived. Brandon told his father that he was coming to his house, and at about 11.54 p.m., Brandon got into his silver Ford F-150 pickup and headed toward his parents' home in Crowley. Then, at about 12.30 a.m., Brandon calls his brother Kyle and tells him that he ran out of gas on Highway 277 between San Angelo and Bront, Texas. In that call, Kyle states that Brandon said, quote, three expletives are chasing me out of town. Kyle, who was aware of Brandon's prior drug use, asked Brandon if he was hallucinating, but Brandon said that he was not. Then Kyle, along with his girlfriend and four-year-old son, headed over to Brandon and Ledessa's house to grab a gasoline container and headed toward the spot Brandon had stated he had ran out of gas. At 12.50 a.m., Brandon Lawson called 911, which at the time was routed to a local nursing home, which would then take the incoming calls and then call the appropriate department, whether that be police, fire, or EMS. Brandon told the operator that he had ran out of gas and needed the police. During the call, Brandon made several statements that seemed incoherent or confused. While cell reception in the area is not great, Brandon can be heard saying what is thought by some to be, Yes, I'm in the middle of a field, inaudible, pulled some guys over right here toward Abilene on both sides, and in another statement saying, There's one car here, the guy's chasing, inaudible, to the woods, please hurry. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. A sniper just threw some guys over. We're out here going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I got to take it to the woods. Please hurry. 
Okay, now, run that by me. No, we're not talking to him. Hi, so you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him, okay. That's the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yeah. No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 We'll come back to the call again later, along with other opinions of what Brandon is actually saying in the call. At 12.56 a.m., a trucker calls 911 to report a silver Ford F-150, which is parked strangely on U.S. Route 277 and was a potential danger to oncoming traffic. At 1.10 a.m., a sheriff's deputy and Brandon's brother Kyle arrive at Lawson's truck at approximately the same time, but Brandon was not there. At that same time, Kyle was on the phone with Brandon, who told Kyle, I can see you, I'm right here, but neither the deputy nor Kyle could see Brandon. At the time of his disappearance, Brandon had an active warrant for his arrest, and Kyle thought that he may have been hiding from the deputy at that time. It is important to note that according to Jason Watts, that this warrant was from 2005, eight years prior, and was for a minor drug possession offense. While the Observer Enterprise, a local newspaper coincidentally owned by the then sheriff's wife, states that the warrant was from only two years prior and was a felony warrant. It seems more than a little strange that if Brandon in fact had a felony warrant, that he would call 911 asking for police to come to his location, which would likely result in his arrest and subsequent jail time. It just sounds a bit odd to me. According to Watts, Brandon only recently learned that the warrant even existed. Between 12.50 and 1.15 a.m., Brandon made and received several calls with his brother, his girlfriend, the 911 dispatcher, and even his neighbor. Due to the poor cell phone reception in the area, many of these calls went straight to voicemail. After 1.19 a.m., all calls made to Brandon's cell phone went straight to voicemail. The last communication with Brandon was at 1.18 a.m. Kyle called Brandon once more. In that conversation, Brandon stated that he was out of breath and was bleeding. After briefly talking to the deputy, Kyle drove a short distance up the road and parked, thinking that Brandon would come to meet him at the car, but Brandon never showed up. After waiting there for about 45 minutes, Kyle returned to Brandon's truck, put the gas from the container into Brandon's truck, and yelled out that the law was gone. He then left the scene and arrived back home at about 5 a.m. Kyle stated that he was surprised that Brandon had not yet returned home. At about 8 a.m. that morning, Friday, August 9th, Brandon's truck was towed by the police. Now let's take a closer look at Brandon's 911 call. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The state we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I checked it. Let's slow the speed down just a little bit and see if you hear anything different. 
911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The tape we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards the gasoline on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here that I checked the one. Pretty close. Okay, now run that round me. The one I talked to him. Hi, so you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. That's the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yes. No, I need the call. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? So what do you think Brandon is saying in the 911 call? After listening to the call many, many times and listening to the opinions of what others have interpreted the call to say, here's what I personally think is in the call. You will note that one big difference I hear versus what many others hear is I think Brandon says, route here going toward Abilene on Bront's side, not both sides, as many people think. The reason is that the route on US-277 from San Angelo to Abilene goes through Bront, Texas. I feel that Brandon is just stating that he has not yet reached the town of Bront. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel the on both sides just really doesn't make sense. Operator, 911 emergency, Brandon. Yes, I'm here in the middle of a field. Escaped. We just pushed some guys over. We're out here going toward Abilene on Bront Sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. A guy chased us into the woods. Please hurry. Operator. Okay, now run that by me one more. Brandon. We're not talking to him. I accidentally ran into him. Operator. Oh, you ran into him. Okay. Brandon. Inaudible. Got the first guy. Operator. Do you need an ambulance? Brandon, yeah. No, I need the cops. Operator, okay, is anybody hurt? And then it seems to me like you can hear two gunshots. Then you hear the operator say, hello? 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 And the call ends. I'm going to play the call one more time. For those watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see my text over the call and what I think is being said. Not an emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The tape we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I got to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. No more not talking to him. Hi, so you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. That's the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yes. No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 We have listened to the 911 call and summarized the actions that took place that night from a variety of research sources. But a few years after Brandon's disappearance, Brandon's brother Kyle compiled a scripted list and timeline of the events of that evening. This is Kyle's statement. And he was wanting to know if I could get some dope for him because he switched jobs and he had already taken his drug test. So he wanted to get high. He had not smoked in at least six months. And I told him, no, you don't need to do that, bro. You've been clean for a long time. He told me, I know, bro. I'm just going to do a little bit. I told him, okay. And I told him to go get a guy named Chris. He worked with us. So he went and picked up Chris, and Chris took him to pick up 
some from who I don't know. And so after they they got it, they went and got high. Then I didn't hear from him until I was on my way home. I called him and asked where he was, if he was still going to come by when I got home. And he said yes. After I got home, I never heard from him. I figured he was at home. So the next morning, I tried calling him and can't get a hold of him. His wife wouldn't answer either. So I called some friends back home in Fort Worth and to see if he had come there. And I found him. He was at one of our friends' house. He got on the phone and spoke to me, and he said he was going to be heading home soon. So I told him, okay, I'll hit you up whenever I get home from work. He said, okay, everything was normal. Then I'm almost to my house, and he calls me, and he tells me that he is on his way home, and she, as in Ledessa, better not have touched none of his stuff. I went to their house. Ledessa was cleaning the house, and everything was normal. Nothing was torn up or anything, so I called him and told him to chill out, to just calm down. She wasn't tearing any of his stuff up, so I let him talk to her for a minute, and they were arguing, but I didn't pay no no mind to it. So I got my phone back, and I went back to my house, showered and changed clothes, and I was about to eat dinner when my mother called me and asked if I would please go over to their house and calm my brother down because he was flipping out when I arrived at their house, my brother Brennan was already gone. So I asked Ledessa what was going on, and she said he was tripping and flipping out. On my way there, my brother calls me, says that Ledessa had some masons from the neighborhood chasing him out of town. He told me that the state trooper had pulled one of them over, but there were still two chasing him. He hung up on me, then calls me back and tells me that he is about to run out of gas. He needed me to bring him some gas, so I told him, okay, that I had to go back by his house to pick up a gas can and come straight to him. So I went to his house, I got the gas can, and I headed that way. Well, Brennan kept calling me, and he would say a few words and hang up. The first time he asked where I was and to hurry up, I told him that I was on the way as fast as I could. Then he called back, and Audrey answered. And he said, where are y'all? I'm bleeding, Audrey. And Audrey, hurry up and get here. And he hung up. Then he calls me again and says, where are you at? I said, I'm pulling up right now. He hung up again. So when I pulled up to his truck, I make a U-turn and park on the opposite side of the road. I get out, walk over to his truck, and he calls. I ask him, where are you, bro? He said, I'm right here where I said at that time... There was a vehicle approaching, and he says to me, one time, run. I told him, I'm not going to run. I've done nothing wrong. And he said, where is your pride, motherfucker, and hung up on me. At this time, the officer was walking up from behind the truck, and he says, is this your truck? I told him, no, it's my brother's truck that he had ran out of gas, and he was walking down the road. He keeps losing signals, so I asked if he mind me driving down the street to look for him, and he said, yeah, but he's not back that way because I just come from that way. So I said, okay, I had not know, I had not known that my brother had made a 911 call in between the time he was calling me on my way there. It makes no sense to me why he would call 911 call saying he needed the cops. 
And then right after he tells me to run from the police, but I drove down, I drove down the street and I stopped. I and Audrey brothers repeatedly calling him and texting him and he would not respond. My son was only a few years old and he was hurting and hungry. So we went back to my bank in San Angelo so that I could get some money. My check had been direct deposited into my account. So I got the money. I got some food for my son. I got some gas in my car. Then I went and picked up our friend Chris that we had worked with and asked him if he would come with me to look for my, him. So he got in and we went back to where my brother's truck was. And the police officer was gone. So we drove down the road very slow, hollering and screaming his name out. And he never would come. So I went down to the gas station and parked on the side while Audrey got out, got the gas can out of the trunk and went and put $5 in a gas can. And then I drove back down to my brother's truck and I got out and put the gas in his truck. And I yelled out, there's gas in your truck, bro. The laws are gone. Get it get in it and go still nothing we drove up and down highway 277 for about an hour and no sign then the law enforcement had my brother's truck towed at nine o'clock a.m that morning and then that is when my sister-in-law Odessa called the sheriff's department and told them what was going on they acted like i was lying to them about everything just because i didn't tell him that night that my brother had a felony warrant and was hiding in the woods. Had I known that my brother had made a 911 call not seconds in between the times I talked to him, I would have said something, but I did not know. And I wasn't about to snitch my brother out. That's not just something we don't, we don't do. We never have. I sit and I think of things that I could have done differently, but it, doesn't change anything because my brother is still missing the Coke County Sheriff's Office and the Texas Ranger that is on my brother's case. They wanted me to come in for interviewing, and so I did. They seemed to think that I just picked my brother up and gave him a ride that night and dropped him off. So I told them that I want I would like to take a polygraph test, and so they agreed. So I went down to take the test, and... They gave me two tests. The first test, one was about if I gave him a ride somewhere that night, if I dropped him off somewhere, or if I came in contact with him after the last time I said I had that night, and I passed it. The second test was asking if I had harmed or hurt him and had taken his body somewhere, or if I took him and done something with him, more or less, they wanted to know if I killed my own brother. And I passed it. Then I don't believe that they have done anything with his case since. As with many murders and missing persons cases, rumors and speculation would soon follow. Some would suggest that Ledessa Lofton, Brandon's girlfriend and mother of his children, was involved in wanting Brandon out of the picture due to her being upset about him relapsing back into his drug use. Others would claim that Brandon was actually murdered by police and that the 911 calls were altered by them to hide their involvement. Still others would claim that it was Brandon's own brother Kyle, who had his own drug and incarceration issues, was behind Brandon's disappearance. 
None of these rumors and speculation have ever been supported by any evidence, however. While we have not mentioned this, and it is eerie to think about, this area of Texas is also populated by wild boar. In fact, much of the land surrounding the area where Brandon's truck was found is often leased out to hunters who are hunting these wild boar. Wild boar have been known to attack humans, especially when there is just a single human and the boar have been felt that they were threatened. Also, wild boar have been known to eat dead human bodies. While this does sound scary and grotesque, it is factual. Brandon Lawson's case remained open, but as a cold case for the next eight and a half years. Then on February 4th, 2022, there was a break in the case. A private group of 10 individuals, which included Brandon's friend Jason Watts, obtained permission from the landowners to again search the area surrounding where Brandon's truck was found. Not long into the search, some camouflage shorts and a single white Nike Air Force One shoe exactly matching what Brandon was wearing at the time of his disappearance were found. The private search group then immediately stopped and called the police. The police arrived on scene that afternoon and after expanding the search radius soon found skeletal remains. The remains were then collected and taken to a crime lab for DNA analysis. However, to this day, over one year since the discovery, police have yet to confirm or deny that those skeletal remains are those of Brandon Mason Lawson, who disappeared on August 9, 2013, near Bront, Texas. Thank you for listening to this episode on the disappearance of Brandon Lawson on the True Crime Monkey Podcast. We'll see you on the next one.